Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Daniel Ramamurthy. Dan Ram, as most of his friends and fans call him. I like to call him Dan Ram, the man. He is one of these global people, travels all over. He travels the globe as an event MC and speaker at over 100 events a year. So he is great to listen to. He hosting changemakers like President Barack Obama, billionaire founders, Sir Richard Branson. We all know who these people are. Raid Hoffman, F1 champion, Nico Rosberg, Grammy-winning artists and celebrities. He works on four different continents from college campuses to parliaments to in-house corporate innovation days for Fortune 500 companies to the biggest tech conferences in the world. His passion is to inspire people with his motto, which is start now, start simple in building a future we all want to live in. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Got to have a good introduction for someone who literally goes around the world introducing the top people out there and the greats. And you know, you, you're no stranger to being in front of large audiences. So I just, I love talking to you because of your energy. And also you have one of those lifestyles that a lot of people aspire to because you get to be where you want to be. You get to explore your passions, hobbies, things you're interested in. And you were one smart dude. I mean, tell everyone what you're doing right now, which I find so impressive. <laughs> one of the five or six things that I do at the moment is that I'm doing a PhD on adaptability. I think one of the necessary superpowers to become an entrepreneur and more importantly, to live the lifestyle of someone who's all over the world is the ability to adapt. So I want to study the science behind that. And I mean, the science behind adaptability must be fascinating because I mean, as humans, I think we probably are more adaptable than most other organisms around just because we've got these brains. I remember I was once traveling somewhere where it's like super cold, like it's just freezing, freezing cold. And it I'm from somewhere pretty warm. I mean, I, I choose to live somewhere which it's kind of year-round summer. I mean, you can wear pretty much t-shirts year-round. And for me, I was so astounded that, you know, we as humans can live in places like near the poles. Right? We can be in Alaska, we can be in Canada and we just adapt and, you know, we, we make a life wherever we are, whatever we have to do, whether it's the right gear, the right attire, the right clothing, the right lifestyle. And um, I think people are really adaptable, but not everybody is. I think there's still that that like spectrum of less adaptable and more adaptable people. And I tend, I think, be attracted to and hang out with people like you who are super adaptable because I think of life as an adventure. And sometimes you do have to adapt. So tell us, what does adaptability mean to someone who's in that field of science? So first of all, I must confess that I was born with the superpower. So my sixth TEDx talk, which I did a month ago, is actually dedicated to the topic. So if anybody wants to get a 12-minute version of what is eventually going to be a 400-page PhD document, 
the superpower of adaptability happened because my parents are diplomats, which meant that every two to three years, we moved to a brand new country. And this meant new culture, new language, new perspectives, new attitudes, new ways of doing life, new living, and in many ways, a new me. And so I have forever been learning to, this is the three parts to uh, adapting, letting go, holding on, and positioning for next, right? And so this is something I was born with, and now it's just accelerated. So instead of moving to a new country every two, three years, I fly every three to four days. And so I'd say every, yeah, at least every week, I'm in a different country. And there is a significant amount of adapting that is required to live like that. Now, most people will not want to travel that frequently. But if you want to be an international business person, or if you want to have an entrepreneur in multiple countries, then you have to be able to adapt. So this is why I'm studying it. And essentially adapting is the ability to take in new perspectives, new opportunities, new insights, to embody it so that it becomes you, and then eventually to authentically live it. And that is at its core what adapting is. You know, I as someone who's traveled quite a bit, and I love to travel, one thing that's really interesting to me is people will travel somewhere, but kind of refuse to like, really try the new things. I'll give you an example. You know, if you go to certain places that are very touristic, right? A lot of tourists there, you can kind of look around and you know who the tourists are because they still look like they're at home, right? Like they're wearing the attire that they would at home. They're, they're just doing all the same things like they would at home. So you're like, Oh, okay. That's an American. (laughs) Oh, look, you know, I think that person's from here because of all of that, because they're, they're not like when in Rome, do as Romans do. They're, they're sort of like holding on to like as much familiarity as possible, even though they're in a completely foreign place, instead of just diving in and saying like, let me live like, like the French do today because I'm in France, right? Mm-hmm. I love that perspective. You're absolutely correct that, well, I guess when you're traveling, there isn't uh, like visiting for tourism, there isn't necessarily a desire to adapt, just maybe to engage whatever's there. But especially if you want to sell product or you want to appreciate a culture, maybe learn from it, then you really have to step into it. You cannot be a spectator to it. Well, so what are you doing next? So you're, you're studying for your PhD now. And where is that going to take you? Where do you see yourself going after you attain that amazing aspirational goal of getting a PhD in a topic that you're passionate about? Next is not something I think about too much. And here's why, Flavia. I am so grateful that I'm living my best life right now. And my working belief is that if I continue doing the things I love with the people I love for the impact that I believe in, it's going to keep leading me to the right places. It's only where I start compromising on one of those things that I might end up in a place I don't want to be. So next could be a whole host of things. It could be maybe my own branded event. So for anyone who Googles me, what gets me traveling around the world is that I'm an event MC and a keynote speaker. So I get invited to host and speak at 100 events a year. So you do some quick little math there. That's why I'm traveling every two to three days is for the next event. And because I live internationally, the work is also international. I'll come back to living internationally, what that means. But that is the core of my work. and. 
where this could go with a PhD is maybe my own events hosted under my own name on this topic. Or another area might be working with the next generation of leaders, thinkers, change makers, and innovators to make sure that they have this essential toolkit of adaptability through some workshop series, maybe some coaching series and things like that. It could also be in the space of mental health, which is actually a conversation that needs to happen alongside any entrepreneur or anyone inspiring to be an entrepreneur, because it is absolutely the most stressful role that one can have in life. And so I, I think even in the space of mental health, adaptability is a very important toolkit to stepping out of what you're in into where you want to be. And so there are many, many applications as to where I could use it. But honestly, I'm already applying it today in the work I do. Honestly, I'm already benefiting from this superpower of adaptability. And for anybody listening right now, if you're curious about why does this guy keep talking about adaptability, please watch some TEDx talks on it or go down a YouTube uh, a chase on this topic. And I think you'll be convinced that in an ever-changing world, where technology is changing, business models are changing, circumstances are changing, governments are changing. You have to be willing to change. It doesn't mean that you're not afraid of change or that you don't like taking risks. It actually has nothing to do with your feeling about it. What it is, is the ability to handle it. That's all it is. So when the pandemic hit, for sure, I was scared. I was unclear. I was uncertain. But boy, that was also my greatest growth time. My business grew. 2x each year. And that's because I had the ability to adapt, even though my heart was sad for the world, even though my heart had to let go of certain things I was comfortable with or had grown to enjoy, and I had to step into the new. So I think adaptability in the world of AI, in the world of globalization, in the world of new technologies is absolutely necessary. And can people increase their ability to adapt? Can adaptability yeah. be something that is developed over time and strengthened? Yeah, yeah. easily, easily. Uh, this is, while it is a science, it is not a mystery. <laughs> so it is like IQ or EQ. Both of these tests exist where you can give yourself a score, but it's not a static number. It is only a score of where you are today. It is possible to increase your IQ. It is possible to increase your EQ, your emotional quotient. But it's the same like anything else, like leadership, public speaking, teamwork, all of these things. You have a starting point today, but you have the ability to grow. And that just comes from experience, awareness, trial and error, stepping out of the comfort zone, learn by doing, right? Like any of these soft skills, adaptability can absolutely be increased. And circling back to your career as a speaker, because there's a lot oh. of people that listen to this show that, that I talk to who would love to have a career as a speaker, to be an entrepreneurial, professional speaker out there doing kind of what you're doing, maybe in a different way, maybe traveling to different places, maybe not a hundred events a year. I mean, that is, that's pretty admirable. I mean, that's a lot of travel. But what would you give to someone as advice if they are telling you, look, I'm a great speaker. Every time I do speak, people love it. And I get, you know, I could easily get some great testimonials and people that, that think I do a good job. But how do I promote myself and really get out there and make this 
a full-time career or a, a real part of my career? Good question. There are two elements to being a professional speaker. There's the art and there's the business. And you have to be excellent at both. The art is around things like body language, personality, storyline, the ability to get and keep attention, empathy with audiences, humor, maybe special abilities, maybe special accomplishments. All of this falls within the art of public speaking. And that is non-negotiable. You need to own the art. But that does not guarantee that you can make money from it. There are many incredibly gifted artists don't have a sustainable life, even though their art is incredible and they've dedicated their lives to it. The business side of it has to do with things like personal branding, inbound versus out, outbound marketing, sales funnels, clarity around your offering, knowing your value to your client, knowing your audience, understanding your niche, sales, negotiations, contracts, all of that. And of course, having a solid system to manage it so that when a client messages you at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, when you're already on stage, the answer doesn't come the following week after you have finished the event, recovered, had a bit of self-care, and then finally getting to the email because by then they've already found another speaker. So there are two parts to it. And the first thing you got to do is understand what falls within both categories and make a checklist of what you can do and what you got to learn. As you master those, that's really where the opportunities start coming up. I certainly know speakers who are more accomplished than me, who have better stories than I do, but come nowhere close in the business model because I am actually an entrepreneur first and a speaker second. So I have built systems and project management tools and template emails and all of these systems, the infrastructure, the business infrastructure underneath me, so that regardless of whether I'm on a train or a plane or meeting with the client or at a three-day retreat doing a workshop series, the business keeps running while I focus on the art. And then I have other days, like today, when I'm not on stage and I'm focusing on the art. You know, you're giving me a chance to reflect on my career, which I really appreciate. And that's part of thinking about the art. I spend time today watching other speakers, watching other MCs, seeing what I can learn from them. I spend time coaching and mentoring others because I find that by giving back, I also benefit and learn. And so in guiding them, I also finesse what I do know and also recognize what I don't know yet. And this is where I focus on the art. So I come back to where I started with it, that for anyone who's thinking about going down this road, first of all, it is an incredibly lucrative and what I would consider a blue ocean opportunity. But however big the opportunity, you cannot capitalize unless you know how. And the two paths you have to walk simultaneously are art and business. I love that you also mentioned self-care because for someone that travels to 100 events a year, I am imagining that's a lot of airplane trips. I doubt you do 100 events locally. <laughs> you know, you're out there, you're, you're all over. And it's global. So, you know, some long flights too. What's one tip? We don't have time to go. I'm sure you have like 100 tips to talk about. But one thing that you do for self-care that helps you stay at your prime and recover from all the travel and all the, the busyness. Yeah, I would say it starts with self-awareness. So I know what are activities that pick me up. For example, playing the piano. 
I usually stay at a hotel that has a piano or I'll find a venue that has a piano. And honestly, sitting and singing along and playing some music that's familiar does so much good for my soul. A good cup of coffee with a great view. Oh, wow. Just to slow down life for a moment and to take in a smell and a flavor that I cherish and just absorb and be present. But these are things that I know work for me. For example, puppies. And I love puppies. Always bring a smile to my face. Or ice cream. Always makes me feel good. These are things that I know are guaranteed pick me up. And those are quick fixes. There are moments after an event that you really, really have to decompress, let it all out, release, refresh and refuel. And this is where things like being in nature, going for long hikes, taking time out from the world, taking time out from social media, uh, spending time journaling. I'm an introvert. And so I spend a lot of time reflecting and introspecting, just having a chance to process everything that I'm feeling, everything that I've experienced. So I know you asked for one, but there was a whole bunch of stuff in there. <laughs> oh, but they're all good. They are all so good. Now, what about a tool or software or hack or something that you use in your daily life that was really helpful to you that might be helpful to others? Oh, the most important tool in the entire world. And fight me if anyone thinks differently, calendar. I am a Google user, so Google Calendar, but it doesn't matter what calendar, have a calendar. Because the most important asset you have the most important asset you have is time because everything else you can grow, everything else you can increase. You don't know the right people, no problem. You can grow your network. You don't have enough money, no problem. You can grow your wealth. You don't know how to get an idea that you can act on, no problem. You can be inspired. Everything can be grown and increased except for time. Time is the only thing from the time you were born is depleting. And so it is what I care, protect, and own the closest. And so Google Calendar, and not just the stuff you have to do, but every dream, every wish, every hope, unless it's in the calendar, it's just a dream. If you do not allocate time to work on it, if you do not set goals and dedicate time to work on those goals, it won't happen magically. And so I would tell everybody, be married to your calendar put everything down, everything that you want to do, everything that you have to do, and allocate time. Stop using to-do lists and vision boards, except if it's paired with a calendar. There's nothing wrong with a to-do list and a vision board, but if you do not actually put the start time and end time when you work on it, it's going to stay on the vision board for many years. Love that advice. My last question for you is actually probably... <laughs> you're a speaker. You're on lots of stages. There's so many things in showbiz, right? That can go wrong or, or oops moments. Do you have a story or two, you know, quick ones of something that happened either on stage or an event that was sort of like one of those comedic moments in life where you just look at life and go, you know what? That was kind of hilarious. That was an oops, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm going to get through it and move on because, you know, the show must go on. My trousers came off in front of 8,000 people. Oh, Oh, no. And I'm guessing it was unplanned. <laughs> Very unplanned. I was about to introduce Jessica Alba on stage in front of a German audience. We have thousands of thousands of people filling the room for the closing keynote. Everyone's excited to have this celebrity Hollywood actress in Munich. And I had already come on stage and I was prepared to start her introduction when I heard in my in-ear from the producer that there was some delay. 
some delay coming from backstage. And so he said, improvise, keep the crowd engaged, which usually is for a period of two to three minutes. And so, you know, initially it was a bit of crowd engagements by doing some shout outs and games. And he said, hey, we need another five minutes. And so I gave a challenge to the audience. And then he said, actually, we have a major delay, some tech issues. Can you go on for maybe another 10 minutes? So I came up with this genius plan that given that it was the end of the evening, I was going to do a large group stretch and movement so we can create some nice energy in the room. Uh, They'd already been there for about 10 hours that day, and it was an indoor venue. So I had everybody stand up and everybody was stretching and moving and people were really getting into it. When else at a business conference do you do a big, massive stretch like that? And in the excitement of the moment, I gave a very foolish challenge. And I said, you know what? Right now, I want to invite 10 people to come on stage. And we're going to do a push-up challenge, a push-up until we collapse. I don't know what made me think that just because I let a stretch, I was now ready to do some push-ups. But here I was on all fours, along with a bunch of other people on stage. And we start doing push-ups. And again, in the excitement and the adrenaline of the moment, when we were done to the push-ups, which of course, there was a thunderous applause. I, instead of slowly and carefully standing up, decided to jump up. Now, when I jumped up, the belt that was holding my, and for anyone who's German or knows German culture, there is a certain outfit that is worn at Oktoberfest. And the belt is made of leather. And so when I jumped up, that leather snapped. And so when the belt snapped, my trousers started coming down. Now, the trousers coming down was one part of it. But what I was more nervous about is that for any speaker, your microphone pack, your in-ear pack, and any other tech is all connected to your belt. And so when the trouser came down and the belt snapped, I also got fully disconnected from all of my equipment. Oh, no. And so I had two things to solve in that moment, my dignity and my ability to continue doing my job. And that's what started what ended up being the following four minutes of pure comedy. Me realizing the absolute hilarity of the moment, the audience totally unexpectedly enjoying this moment and the recovery. Of course, everybody's rooting for me, but I have to do this in front of everybody. It's not like that we can do a wardrobe check right there on stage or I could run off backstage. Everything happened on camera. Everything happened in full view of everybody. And so, you know, I get a handheld mic, which means that I have one hand holding my trouser, another hand holding the microphone, but I have no hand to fix anything. And so we start talking and teasing and playing. You know, the most important part is I had so much fun doing it. The audience I knew was on my side. So we had fun together. Nobody was scared. Nobody was nervous. And I enjoyed it so much. And of course, we got it fixed by the time that Jessica Alba came on stage, that when I came off stage afterwards, some people thought that this was a comedic skit, like a routine. It's a bit that I do at events because they just felt like the jokes all landed. I had everyone in the palm of my hands. There's a bit of suspense of, can he get the belt up? Or what about his in-ear? Oh, he's just going from a producer. Oh my gosh, is Jessica going to come up on stage at this moment now? All of that stuff, they were all part of that. And I narrated the whole thing as if I had done it a hundred times before. So I love that you asked if there was a comedic element to it, because most often we take ourselves too seriously in that moment. I mean, that's a good moment to melt 
to disappear, to wish that you didn't exist, to doubt yourself, to wonder if you're the biggest failure in life. But if you go down the route of, oh, this is ridiculous. Like this is completely ridiculous. This moment is ridiculous. And now how do we all come out of this triumphant? Well, I feel like there's a lot of learning that comes from that, but in a way that is so fun. What a great story. Absolutely love it. So for people who want to get in touch with you, either because they want to book you for the next event or they want to listen to your TED Talk, what's the best way to find you online? Well, here's the deal. I am online because I love conversation. I actually have nothing to sell you online. I just want to help. I want to be a part of your journey. I want to give value. So if you follow me, prepare to engage with me because that is why I exist. I respond to everybody personally. No bots, no machines, because I really, really enjoy using whatever God and life has given me to bless others and to make an impact. So just look me up, Dan Ram, on any social media platform. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube, Twitter. Just also check out the website, IamDanRam.com and engage. Let's chat. And if you've got an event where you think you could, and trust me, I usually have my trousers on. This is that one time that I came up. But if yeah, you're your, belt, for, your belt leather has gotten very thick and very sturdy uh, since then, right? You wear those, you know, the sturdy absolutely, belt. Absolutely. So if there is an event uh, where you could use a speaker or an MC, do reach out. I'd be delighted to support you. Dan Ram, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. As always, your energy brings so much to everything. And for that, I'm eternally grateful for you to share your energy with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.